So I traveled throughout um, Africa, saw 35 countries in the last two years, and my job was to work with their leaders, those countries' leaders, and I saw what was waiting for South Africa, what was waiting for, you know, what the path was for the country. If you looked at a country like what was then Rhodesia, which now Zimbabwe, if you looked at some of the other countries, and that was post-colonialism or post-whatever you want to call it, but mm. what the root of that country was, and what our prospects were, especially for my son, who was young, young back then. And we just had to, you know, it was a, a case of praying about it and then planning and then being enthusiastic about it, seeing the opportunities and selling it to the family and the kids. And, and so we made it a big adventure and we loved it. And it wasn't the, we're not the first people who've ever done it, um, but it was, it was kind of scary because you start totally over and I was 40 years old mm. and you had to start your career over mm. and it was really an exciting time. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's guest is a bit special because he used to work at CRG and we talk about that in our introduction with him. It's Nico Human, who used to actually work in our marketing department and lead it way back when, over a decade ago or something like that, but Nico's also a CRG associate. And today we get to talk about really, how do I build trust, but also around leadership, leadership issues, balance in life. You know, we all of us get so busy. Do we forget, do we really forget what's most important in our life? And do you? And I wanna challenge you before you listen to this episode and as you get closer to the end of it, where we talk about you know, are the things that are most important, your family, your health, your wellness, your balance in your life, you are having fun. Is that there or not? You know, today's show is sponsored by CRG Consulting Resource Group. And we talk about in the show where if we're going to build a environment of trust, if we're going to go to the next level, if we're going to build communication in lower conflict, then one of the ways to do it is to know one another. And that is using CRG's personal style indicator, which in my opinion, of course, we've had about an 80 or 85% switch rate to our tool from other tools like Disker, Myers, Briggs over three decades. We've been around for 40 years. And so my encouragement is, is that is something that you would consider. Now, as always, we thank you for giving us your most valuable commodity, your time. Uh, and hopefully we, we are hopeful that it'll be worth it today. But also, if you like what we're doing, please share, pass it on, let other people know, leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to. And I do encourage that you would, after today's show, just think about, are you taking care of the big rocks, the things that are most important to you as part of this life? Because when it's all said and done, it's not going to be about, did I work harder or work more? Did I really spend time with the relationships that are important to me? Thank you again, and here's our episode, Secrets of Success with Nico Human. Well, today's guest is kind of unique because he actually worked for CRG at some time, some time ago. We were just reminiscing before we got on the show. He's an individual who brings a lot of experience in senior management, but now in coaching, consulting, organizational development, building trust in teams, really helping the performance of individuals and organizations. So welcome to the show, Nico Human. 
Thanks, Ken. It's great to be here. So, uh, Nico, of course, you know, working with CRG was one of your best things you've ever happened in your life. That's well, a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> but barring that, let's just back up. Now, some people are going to be listening and say, hey, listen, there's a little accent there. Yeah. And so um, just to kind of give an orientation before we get into your expertise, uh, you were born in South Africa, is that correct? That's correct. My first so give us your little, your little story of South Africa and how you came to be in Canada. Okay, so my first language is Afrikaans, and so if you've never heard the, what a South African Canadian sounds like, the Afrikaans version, this is what it sounds like after 20 years in Canada. So I was born um, in a city called Pretoria, grew up there, went through university, all this stuff, army training as well. We still had to do compulsory training there. Um, and I, my background is actually in science. I've got a PhD in climatology. Um, got bored when I was 29 when I had the PhD and then started a software company. And the one thing led to the other. Um, and by my 40th birthday, we saw that the writing was on the wall for South Africa politically and we wanted a better future for ourselves and our kids. And we found the best country in the world when you speak English with the highest quality of life, which is Canada. And we immigrated here. My 40th birthday party in South Africa was actually our farewell party to the family. So wow. That's 20, that's 20 years ago. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big decision. Of course, I was in... South Africa just prior to that time when we talked about that when you work for us and just yeah. the climate there and the lack of safety and other people who had moved a lot yeah. who had moved to North Vancouver seemed to be the place that resonated especially with people from Cape Town and yeah. for those people that aren't aware Pretoria is just north of Johannesburg so with that what kind of courage did you have to have to move your whole family from the country of your birth you know, it's funny. Some of us are more adventurous than others. Um, and I just saw it as a huge adventure. And our kids saw it as an adventure. And my wife is incredibly supportive. And we're also Christians. So we prayed about this. And we it was an important thing. Um, and we realized I was traveling. My last job in South Africa was I was head of marketing and public relations for the South African Agricultural Research Council. So I traveled throughout um, Africa, so 35 countries in the last two years, and my job was to work with their leaders, those countries' leaders, and I saw what was waiting for South Africa, what was waiting for, you know, what the path was for the country. If you looked at a country like what was then Rhodesia, which now Zimbabwe, if you looked at some of the other countries, and that was post-colonialism or post-whatever you want to call it, but mm. what the root of that country was, and what our prospects were, especially for my son, who was young young back then. Mm -hmm. And we just had to, you know, that was a, a place of praying about it and then planning and then being enthusiastic about it, seeing the opportunities and selling it to the family and the kids. And, and so we made it a big adventure and we loved it. And it wasn't the, we're not the first people who've ever done it, um, but, but it, was, it was kind of scary because you start, Totally over, and I was 40 years old, and mm. you had to start your career over. We landed with our jobs because we came on the point system, but then Canada is so open to um, immigrants, and there was this incredible, I don't know, people surrounding us. I remember still the church in North Vancouver that reached out to us, and they became like our family, mm. and it was really an exciting time. 
and our kids were teenagers, so get, getting them in a regular school and getting them to adjust to what is here seen as a normal environment. But in South Africa, they couldn't. They couldn't walk the streets. They couldn't be on public transportation. It was too dangerous. And I, it was great for me because I didn't have to have a gun anymore and take care of a gun you know, and go and sleep tonight behind burglar bars and alarm systems. So to us, it was just a phenomenal wow. experience wow. and a phenomenal privilege to be able to come and start over. Well, that's amazing. It's interesting, those people who haven't been there, and I've been in homes there where you have gates in the the, the sleeping part of your home yeah. so that if somebody does break in your house, you you are still secure and they can't get to you. So uh, exactly. I don't think those people that are in the developed world really don't have a concept of of that, so we can leave that. However, I want to back up a bit, Nico. Okay. Where did climatology come from? Well, well where a, was a, that from? That's a long story. Um, at university, uh, my dad wanted me to be an engineer, so um, I, and he was very—he had a very strong personality. So he convinced me to go study engineering first. So I did the first year, and I hated every moment of it. Um, I'm not a detailed person. I love the big picture. I love to color outside the lines a little bit. And if you're an engineer, you have to be absolutely within the lines. Um, so I did that first year, but then didn't want to continue with it. Um, and But I had a, a bursary from the South African government at the time. And I said to them, I'm not going to continue with engineering. It's not. I'm not going to do make a success of it. I want to change to computer science, and you'll enjoy this. I got the official answer back from the South African government then. There's no future in computers. Um, you cannot switch to computer sciences. This was in 1977, 78, somewhere there. Well, yeah, there's um, no future in no computers. No future in computers. Well, Nothing. Bill Gates no. said that nobody's going to need a computer on their desk. Here the I am. I'm using my computer. Yeah, and for we're us talking to voice in to be able to do virtual podcasts. Yeah, okay. Well, there yeah, we go. Anyway, so, but then I had some already physics as one of my subjects. So I asked them, what can I study with it? And they came up with climatology. And then, so one thing led to the other, and I enjoyed it. And uh, my dad had a doctorate, so I wanted a doctorate as well. And I thought, okay, I'll do. And I, I was working for the government at the same time, so I could use my studies while I was doing leadership work. And I had my own team; I could use that to further my studies. So I could do a PhD fairly quickly. And so I did my my degrees. And when I was 29, I had the PhD in climatology. Well, and then what was the doctorate that your dad had? What was it in? Um, he was in agronomy, which was also in the, in the natural sciences in agriculture. Um, but he, you see the competition between us. He took 12 years to get his, so I had to do mine in two and a half years, and that was the difference. Well, there you go. You were. Uh, I get it. It's, it's <laughs> a little bit of work, proud. my friend. It's yeah, a little I bit of work. Objectives. I love to chase it. I'm like you, you know. I love to chase an objective and, and reach it. So, yeah, and then, sure. so I was 29, and I, at my PhD, was married by the time we had two kids. And but then you get bored because now the excitement of it is gone. So then, computers was really taking off, and I started uh, a small software company because what I've learned in my studies, my professor was very um, clever. He got me to program and do my my PhD with um, we, we used basic language back then. To, to write some of the algorithms. And so I could use that to start writing some of the first software programs for business people in my, my rotary group in South Africa. 
And they, so I started to install it for their bakeries. And their, the one guy was uh, an attorney and all different. It was basically their bookkeeping systems and their point of service systems. So fascinated, fascinated Nico yeah. about that journey. So here you are, you're in Canada now, and mm-hmm. I think you know you've had a lot of different, um, and I don't say a lot, but you've had different roles of leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we got to know each other, and you were working with marketing with us, and you were working as the CEO of the association in agriculture. Not everybody would know about that, mm-hmm. and then leading other groups, and now really in this consulting, coaching, uh, and you're also doing. Uh, these forums. So just for the audience uh, benefit, uh, explain your forums and how, how they run and w- what you do in them so that they get a sense of how you're serving leaders in the okay. local market. Yeah, I've been doing it for 14 years. Nancy McKay is actually the, the CEO of McKay CEO Forums. And I met her in North Vancouver when we met there, when we lived there. I was president of a Rotary Club and she was she came in as a speaker. At the time, she was a professor at Simon Fraser University in leadership, um, and she started these groups. What we do is we bring a maximum of 14 leaders, um, CEOs or executives, um, so people reporting to the CEO, the C-suite, and they're all from um, non-competing companies, um, um, roughly the same size and companies, and they're organized according to the size of the companies, roughly. Bring them together every six weeks, um, and we bring a speaker in, um, and there's an, a, a session where they share their own experiences with, with, with each other, so an update to each other. And we look at the whole person. We look at their business life, their family life, and their personal life, give updates. And then they bring an issue or an opportunity that they want help with from the rest of the group to the table. And then we coach through those. It's a group coach on that, and we share best practices. It's incredibly powerful. Um, and there are so, um, social interactions as well, and we have a retreat per group every year as well, where we do deeper dives and life strategies work and different other things with them as well. Mm-hmm. So that's oh. roughly what that, that is. Um, uh, currently, I have four of those groups, um, and as I said, uh, we get together every uh, every six weeks. And for me, it's an incredible journey because I see. And I hear all these stories. I see how they develop their companies. I see what best practices are used. So it's, it's a privilege to be there. And these are people who are changing the world and they're working with so many other people. So to me, it's a huge opportunity and a huge privilege. Mm. Well, let's dive into it. I know you have confidentiality, so we don't need any names. We don't even, in some cases, maybe you could have an industry. But yeah. part of this, Nico, you have all this exposure to real life transition, real Mm -hmm. life change. Mm -hmm. So with that, and you're thinking about your CEO groups and leadership groups, what are some of the common themes or issues that seem to be apparent in many of the companies as they get into this process and start beginning? Well, it depends on where they are in their journey. Um, And each leader who comes to us or to these groups and to my coaching practice are in a different, and I just say we're all on a journey. We're in different places in the journeys. Mm -hmm. Common things that we see these days are mental toughness, how to stay positive, how to stay, as we say, above the line, 
with a bombardment of negativity going on, um, to stay focused, to keep your focus with all the distractions um, that's going on. That's that's a major part. So what? Uh, so what are some of the negative things that are occurring, Nico? That are that are keeping these CEOs up at night? Then. Okay, so some of it is um, things are changing so rapidly around us. Um, in industry, um, technology, it's coming down the pipe so quickly. There are so many new things happening every day, demands on their time, um, demands on their attention, how, where to focus, what to leave, what to do. So those are some of them. Mm-hmm. And another major part right now is how to be a master of your time. Um, because there's no such thing as time management anyway. So you've got to right. master your time um, and be very specific and focused. And then on top of that is how to get your be an inspiring leader and keep your workforce engaged and inspired to take mm. it forward. Um, and at the same time, tap their energy. And in the past, it was fairly simple uh, most of the new technology, or there was a, a more of a top-down approach. Now, some of the, the most valuable information and the future direction come from the young people with the new technologies and all the mm-hmm. different things coming down the pipe. So to harness all of this together, but still be the leader of the group, that's, that's, a, that's a very um, important um, job that uh, many of my clients have to do. Um, mm-hmm. have to have to be able to bring to the table. So to me, that's that's a major part. And then um, something that I really love, love doing is, is to work in the area of how do you create the environment of trust where people can work together, where they have the, um, shall we say, the, 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 the opportunity to be themselves, to speak their minds, to bring new information to the table. Because the old models, you know, the old line models are simply not working anymore. New information new opportunities come from probably the most junior person in the company these days. And you need to be able to tap that as well and get them to speak Mm. up. But balance that all with keeping trust in the team and stuff like that. Well, of course, I mean, uh, Nico, you're one of our CRG associates and use our tools and assessments. We'll talk that a little bit later. Mm. Uh, But one of the things and concepts we talk about is credibility. So, when you think about trust and credibility within this environment, what are you teaching the cultures or leaders or individuals so that they can have a successful uh, culture that has trust in it? Well, we have several um, shows. I've designed a series of workshops that I use, and it depends on, first of all, with the leader him or herself is in, on that journey of leadership. We start, first of all, with a leader, um, and we look at, I, I love the servant leadership model, and I use that um, to, to, to get them to a certain place where they know what their role is and how they want to be portrayed and how they want to serve their team and serve their organization. So that's where we normally start. Then we start setting up the team itself, um, organize the team where that is who's going to be part of, of this first part. And then we do a series of workshops. The first one where we start working on, uh, you, you pr- you're probably familiar with Patrick Lencioni's work with the five dysfunctions of the team, where mm-hmm. we work through that process. Um, I've, I've done this for companies myself, so I've, I've got some extra tools that I bring in to help them through the process. But we start with trust, because trust is the foundation of all of this. Now, trust is something that 
can be accelerated in a company if it's handled correctly and, and you can build it with certain techniques. And some of them are, if I understand you better, I know better what your personal preferences are and what your personality is like, that type of stuff, that helps. But also if I know where you're from, what your personal history is, how did you grow up, what were the challenges you faced growing up, what are the things you've overcome. Um, so we do a series of workshops where we go around the table and we're in this cone of silence, this area of trust, this this room where the doors are closed and what happens within the room stays in the room. I got this that. Maxwell Smart picture of cone of silence right around yeah. my head when you said that. And I said, exactly. oh, right. For and those of us that are old enough that even remember that. So, okay. Yeah. And, you know, in the middle of the room is a, is a box of Kleenex. And it's amazing how deep people go. Now, the, why I started with a leader is the leader is key in this because the leader has to go first and share first. And then the team will follow. If the leader just kind of skims the surface and doesn't want to dive deep, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the team will follow and will be just a little mm. less deep or a, a little more shallow than dive a little um, less deep than the leader would go. But the leader goes first and share. And we start with some of the, shall we say, less personal, less intrusive questions first. Like, where did you grow up? How many brothers and sisters did, did you have? And mm. where did, were you in the birth order? But maybe throwing one, like, tell us about one major thing that you had to overcome, my major hardship as a child, and how did you overcome it? And we do those three questions around the table. And normally we're about, let's say, nine to ten people in a circle. And everyone goes and they, everyone shares. And it's it's amazing to be part of this group and to mm-hmm. be able to massage the group as they go through it. Once we've done the first round, we may go deeper and say, tell us of a time when you were really, really, really scared of something, afraid of something, or when you were really hurt. And we, we start looking at different questions. There's a whole series of questions. So we do those. And so the group goes to a certain place. And it's funny, once you've seen this, um, when you work, and I'll just say George, and, and I'm, I'll, I'll have a fictional character called George, but if you hear about George's story, and maybe there's incredible hardship for him in his family life or somewhere, now all of a sudden when George gets grumpy on a Friday afternoon and is not answering your questions nicely, you will understand why George is so grumpy. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe something that you can work with George and improve with George or support George before you would think, oh, George is grumpy because he doesn't like me. I'm doing something wrong. But now you understand George better. So that's how the personal histories work. Then mm-hmm. we go into, and this is where I use CRG resources quite a bit, um, is the personal style indicator. Everyone will do their personal style indicators and we will share scores discuss that. I get them all to give feedback on, is this working for you? How is it working for you? Are you agreeing with us? Those types of things. So we have a general discussion on it. And they always have a discussion on different other instruments they've used before. And and we discuss that. And then we do some exercises and style shifting. So now you understand what George's um, personal style indicator says, what his scores are. How would you approach him if you want him to be the final decision maker on something or a, a positive mm. decision maker on something that you bring to him, how would you readjust the, your offering so that he can, out of his style preferences, have a better understanding of it and take it forward? So 
that's another workshop that we do on that. And so they learn how to work and pick people's styles. Well, of course, uh, I'm going to support that. No, of course, yes. And <laughs> as, I love it. As the co-author of the personal style letter. It is, it is great to hear that, Nico, that these become powerful experiences. And then you get a framework to really talk about behaviors I'm doing, but also behaviors that I might want to consider based on who you are. Yeah, yeah. And I understand also why I do certain things. And maybe if I can style shift a little bit here for myself as well, Maybe I don't have to be grumpy on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I mean, life is a choice, right? Exactly. In spite of that, we don't you know, remember our you know, favorite And this thing. leads into accountability because now, because we're speaking on this level, if I see you going into that behavior and we're on the same team, I can say to you, hey, can I help you accountable here a little bit? Because I see you going back to your old behavior. And... You know, maybe I can challenge you here a little bit or encourage you a little bit here so that we think of the team and where we as a team want to go before, mm -hmm. you know, our feelings take over. So that's that part. Then the next step and this series of workshops, the next one, we have to look at conflict. Now, conflict, um, as a South African, to me, it's like an invitation. We love conflict. Um, I don't know if you know the African continent. Uh, there's lots of conflict always. And it's very vibrant and it's very, I don't know, things happen quite. That's very interesting there. But, I mean, it's very negative as well sometimes because it goes too far. And then you come to Canada and conflict is like this thing that's, I don't know, maybe uh, you have to tread carefully around it and people are maybe a little bit more um, cautious of conflict. But if you understand that the, 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 the modes, the modes of the people prefer to go into when they are confronted with conflict, um, then you can manage that and make it productive conflict. And conflict in a business or in any endeavor is actually the place where the growth occurs. So if you as a leader knows this is your, your place to go and where you can be the minor of this conflict, it actually helps you to take the team to its next place, where it, um, it becomes a better place for that for the team to be at. So, well, it's interesting. I just want to stop you there for a moment, Nico, yeah. because and just affirm that is a lot of us avoid these difficult conversations. Exactly. And, you know, I had a guest on Peter who wrote a book talking about you know leading with courage, mm -hmm. and can you have these difficult conversations? And and usually these difficult conversations include some type of conflict of some sort yes. but by not having a conversation you've made a decision to decide not to decide so you you do have impact you the sin of omission applies to this if you don't deal with it and yeah. as most of us know nico in leadership in this i'm guilty of this too i'm not saying it's easy to do it's mm -hmm. just an important and critical role as a leader to make sure that those issues are addressed Yes, and you know, my message to the leader, what I've learned is if you're a little fearless and if you see conflict or you just start sniffing it, maybe that's two of your managers are in the huddle together in the morning, but they don't want to sit next to each other or they're not making eye contact. We pick those things up. That's the beginning of telling you there's something going on there and you need to be curious about it and fearless and mm -hmm. ask about it. Because if they start not working together, just them two, the, the two of them, what about their departments? What about how these things are going to go through into your 
um, your team and your team trust and all the, the different things that you're working at. Um, so what, what I use is there's a, 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 a Thomas Kilman conflict mode instrument that I use for that. And it tells us what some people are nat- naturally avoiders. You, we want to avoid conflict. Some accommodate, some compromise, some compete, and some collaborate. That comes naturally. But if we understand where we fit into that, then we can use those skills so that we can go forward together. Because in certain certain circumstances, um, it's better for us to compete, um, and those that are more competitive maybe should lead the charge then. But it's not always necessary to do, you know, to, to take a, a mm-hmm. conflict on head on. You can sometimes, it's better to avoid it if it's really not an important issue or it's something that you want to avoid now and get to it later. There's a, there's a place for all of these five modes again. But then with some exercises, now because I understand in your particular um, personal style, perhaps, this is very important to you, a certain part of it, then I can bring this together and we can go together forward because we understand each other Mm -hmm. at a different level again. Well, the reality is, Nico, and that's why you and I will have jobs forever, is most people are not equipped, nor have they been trained, nor have they been facilitated a process to be able to manage this. So if I've never been trained, I've never been developed, then how would you expect me to actually be able to do it? So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we exist and why we're here is as coaches, trainers, consultants, is to help others to go to that next level. Now, I want to digress for a second, Nico, because you have these groups, you have these CEOs, and we were talking off air before we got on to the show about, you know, developing the whole person. Mm-hmm. When you think about some of the conversations around these CEOs with their sort of personal lives, what are some other issues that these C- – and I know that everybody's at a different level, but what, it, what are some of the issues that these CEOs or leaders are facing from a personal perspective? You'd be amazed that people just like us. <laughs> uh, to me, it's amazing to hear, um, and you, you do, um, um, I mean, at one of the exercises we do is the Wheel of Life, where you look at the different segments in their lives. Um, where are they financially? Where are they um, maybe with their career? Where is they with personal development? Where is there with their romance and spouse? That's one mm-hmm. of my segments. Where are they with the rest of the family? Where are they with fun, recreation? Mm-hmm. Where are they spiritually? Where are they with different things? Um, where are they with joy? So I have these segments. And it's amazing how many of them are doing very well on one side of the wheel, and then there are a couple of folks that are just missing. They're gone. Um, things like fun. And they're working so hard, they're chasing all these targets that fun is just not on the on the wheel. There's just nothing going on. Um, and they feel guilty about their kids. They're not spending the time with their kids or their families. And so they feel guilty there as well. So much of the work is actually so fundamental and so simple and straightforward that they can do it themselves if they take the time or they have the time to do this. And my privilege as a coach is to say, okay, I've been there, I've lived this, I've chased these targets, I've been as ambitious as you are, and I wanted to make all of this stuff work, and you miss the important things in life. Because you're also going to be 60 years old that I am today, one in about maybe 15 or 20 years, and you're going to think back on these are missed opportunities. So Mm -hmm. let's now use 
your strategic planning skills and all these, I mean, um, uh, implementation skills you have for bringing all these new plans into your business, but let's make you the business. You and your family is the business. How are we going to serve you better? And then I get sometimes on some of them, from the second retreat, we actually bring the spouses to the retreats as well. And the spouses become allies in making sure that we develop that side of the wheel of the, the, of the, the leaders as well. Because they, if you have the person fully developed in all spokes on all aspects of their lives, they are showing up better. They are getting rest, they're getting sleep, they're getting exercise, they're, they're a better mm-hmm. person. They are also a better person for the rest of their companies and they allow their people to have better lives as well. So it's that balance that you want to bring in. So um, I want to delve into this a little bit. You know I have personal interest in this, but yeah. when we think about you know changing, how open are the CEOs? I mean, these are intelligent individuals. I mean, they didn't get to be here by not being successful in their life. Yeah. What is contributing to them missing this? I mean, it seems obvious. It seems common sense. All of us have talked about it at some time or another. I mean, you knew me when I went through some of this stuff too. Mm-hmm. So um, where is it that they're missing it? What is it that this these gaps, they're not getting it, that they are just so driven that they they're feeling guilty about their family, but they're not doing anything about it until you come in and hold them accountable. Yeah. So I what think is contributing to them not making the decision to do what they want? I think it's this constant barrage on their attention and their time. Um, they're on their phones the whole time. They are being dis- um, disturbed by their staff members. They're getting that got all these crazy deadlines. They set them, but they also get that back from their teams. Um, and they're on this roller coaster of being successful. Now we've been there. What what we do is, or what I found is, first of all, you have to, as the coach and the facilitator, now step up and say, listen, I've been there, and this behavior of yours, I cannot tolerate, because then I'm not serving you as a whole person. Um, you can tell me you're too busy. I can tell you you'll always be busy. So we need, and I use a thing called a commitment circle. It really works for me, because if they're with their peers, people who are going through the same thing, we get them... For example, they've, they've just, we've just done an exercise or we've just had a speaker or we've just had an update from them where they've now committed to something. I get them to, to write that down on a piece of paper, but then to stand up and tell it to their peers, the other 13 people around the table, like this is my next steps of action. This is what my next steps are going to be from now on. And please hold me accountable for it. By saying it to their peers, by getting it down, and it's simple things, but getting it sort of cemented down, the chances of them doing it goes up um, about 80 to 90% from what it would have been before because mm-hmm. they're so barraged with all other things. And I know I've, I've, I've been there. You, you sit somewhere and you think, oh, this is a great thing. I need to do this. And it's something I need to do. And you make a note of it. But the moment you get up there, there's an email, there's a text, there's something else, there's nothing. And you're just drawn away from it. And, Six months later, you've discovered that little note again, and you, you have not had the opportunity to do something about it. So mm-hmm. to me, and that's where conflict against comes in a little bit, and I call it polite conflict. I need to have, have that, shall we say, bravery to step up. And this guy may be running 
a company of millions of dollars and uh, thousands of people, and he or she has them all reporting to him or her. But I have to step up and say, hey, brother, you're not doing the right stuff here. You're not, you're not bringing to the table. You're not showing up the strongest that you possibly can be because you're missing this. Mm. And it's interesting, Nico, and thank you for that, is there's more and more of these types of group. I mean, the McKay yeah. or the CEO yeah. forums yeah. That, that she has put together and that you've been leading is one of many. Yes. Uh, coaching in the last yes. decade, but certainly the last 20 years has gone from 20 years ago, if I had a coach, I just revealed that I am weak, to mm-hmm. now if you don't have a coach, you're a nobody. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, and, and if we think about athletics, yeah. Um, my wife is being in, is in tennis now, and so we were down in Palm Springs and at the Indian Wells event. There was only one athlete out of the, I think it's 128 times two plus the other qualifiers, so wow. you know, nearly 300 that didn't mm-hmm. have a coach. Wow. And yeah. that was because yeah. that person had fired their coach sort of the week before and they were without. So every single athlete has a coach. Yeah. So why would you think it would be different for us. The other one that you're talking about is this accountability that happens by being in this peer group, but also you working with them. Now, let's transition to the other side of this. What happens now that you've been doing this for so many years and you do so many groups, which is pretty rare for the amount of groups that you've done for so long, mm-hmm. and congratulations on that, Thanks. is what's the transformation for them? Do they... Is the, are they feeling, oh, I'm not getting enough work done, or do they see the benefits of doing this balance? You see that I think the magic comes in, and it doesn't happen for everyone, but the, the persons or the leaders that stay with us the longest, and some of these groups are now 11 years old. One Nancy's original group, one group is old, older than 10 years. They become like a support group, but also an accountability group for each other for life um, because they've gone through different stages. So once they get mm. to that place, it's incredibly powerful. And um, the group starts having its own kind of personality and running itself to a certain extent, which is phenomenal. And now with our, uh, what I've seen, for example, is when I was in that same place, because it's every six weeks, it takes you out of your company. You have to leave your company and you have to go physically to a place away from where people can reach you. So that brings in a different place. And you know they're going to ask me these questions in six weeks. And then you have to go there and you have to go do it and you have to go perform. So that's very important. Well, you know what? Uh, we're actually coming close to the end already, Nico. Okay, <laughs> We've already, we're already been uh, over 40 minutes on our show. And so with the individuals here, so first of all, I want to ask uh, you to share uh, how people can get a hold of you and find out about what you do. And then I'm going to ask you a couple more questions to close. So the way to reach me, the easiest is just to go nicohuman.com. It's my website, um, N-I-C-O-H-U-M-A-N.com. Um, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You'll find me on Facebook. I'm all over, but that's the easiest. My um, email address is nico at nicohuman.com. And there's a phone number, 604-418-9482. And we'll put those in the show notes for people. So nicohuman.com, and you'll be able to find out more about what uh, Nico does. Now, Nico, when we're wrapping up here and you're working with all these different leaders, if you were to 
only able to share two or three pieces of wisdom or things to consider or strategies to change my life, mm-hmm. what, what might those be? Oh, that's a deep question. That's fantastic. Okay, so the number one thing that's changed my life is when I discovered my own purpose. When I know why I'm on this planet, what do I want to achieve, what do I want to bring to the groups that I work with. That keeps me going every day. That keeps me mm-hmm. positive when I go out and I have to do something that's maybe not really so easy for me to do. But my if you understand your purpose. So do the work and find your own purpose. That's the first thing. Secondly, we're just here, shall we say, for a limited time and we have to do certain things. If you can do this in a great environment um, with your team or your family or wherever you are, if you can create this, and I call it a high-trust culture, it's so much more fun. It's easier. Things happen quicker. And you're actually making more money if you're in a business, which is fantastic as well. So that mm-hmm. would be my second thing. Is create this environment in which you can um, you know, be more successful and have more fun. And then the third thing is I think um, the older I get, the more important it gets is look after your family. Look after the people that are on the whole journey of life with you. Business is fleeting. Business opportunities come and go. But there are certain people in your life, and you know who those people are, that you need to keep close to yourself and invest mm. the time with. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Nico. And just Thanks, Ken. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, of course, our purpose is help others to live, lead, and work on purpose and do the work, get clear. Mm-hmm. I actually put a little note down here. He says, build a, you know, a great trust. That I, the flip side of that is, why suffer? Man, yeah. you're here for a short to like get over that. Build a place that is exciting and vibrant. And yeah. life isn't always perfect or, or perfect. You're gonna have some events that, that could occur. But mm-hmm. could I have the majority of my experience to be positive? Exactly. And if you're a leader, then am I doing that for my staff? And you know what? I, I've failed at different times in our company, but we're trying to as much as possible say, Hey, can, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah. And really and you're you know, right. Yeah. Go ahead. One last thing. Um, and I've recently learned it. It's about gratitude. Um, and I mean, I've always been grateful to be in this country. People have been phenomenal with us. It's a phenomenal country to be in. But we have so many privileges and so many things to be grateful for every day. And if you can remember that, it'll carry you through any time. Mm-hmm. And all the research has shown that gratefulness, because I had the happiness expert on the show, okay. Hal, is that gratefulness actually has more positive effect that in in fitness than any antidepressant that you can take so so again thank you uh, nico for that so sos listeners thank you nico human for being on the show thank you ken just fantastic well sos listeners you know do some of these things that nico have talked about and we actually covered a lot of steps if you have a team or lead a team to go back over it listen to it again contact nico about the different workshops that he has in that area and of course he supports crg and the personal style indicator and i do have 100 percent bias about the quality and the power of that tool do get clear about who you are and your purpose and enjoy yourself and also take care of yourself and your family And if you're not taking care of yourself, then how are you going to take care of somebody else as part of it? Now, 
As we wrap up most shows, we thank you for listening, giving us your most valuable commodity, your time. If you like what we're doing, please share, pass it on, let other people know about this. And if you have any feedback or comments, then please reach out. We'd love to hear for you, from you. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.